Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Take your Bibles and let's go to Galatians tonight. Galatians chapter number six. You may be seated. Galatians chapter number six tonight. And we're going to look at verse number one, verse number two, and verse number three. Galatians chapter number six, verse number one, verse number two, and verse number three this evening. Galatians chapter six. Look at verse one. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. When I talk to you this evening... So we come to the end of 2022 and look out at the beginning of 2023. I want us to consider what it means to, to hold one another accountable. We've said this throughout the, the years here at First Baptist, and it's certainly not only true throughout our time together here at First Baptist, but just true generally as it relates to biblical New Testament Christianity, and that is that the Christian life is meant to be lived together. That we are intended to live our lives together as Christians, and we are not intended to live our lives alone. Of course, there's all kinds of examples of this in the Scripture. Acts chapter number 2, Romans chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Just to name a few, but we are intended to care for, provide for, give to, love, serve one another. So let's uh, let's start with a question then. What, What do you do when someone you love has a runny nose? What do you do? When someone you love has a runny nose. Well, nowadays you take a Q-tip and you shove a Q-tip up their nose and you see if they have COVID, right? But pre-COVID, what did you do when someone you loved had a runny nose? Well, you would, you would hand them a tissue. You, you might quietly, politely, carefully say to them, hey, your, your, nose, your nose is running. Here's a Here's a Kleenex, here's a tissue. But what if the person didn't want to wipe their nose? You, could, you, you couldn't force them to. Or, or maybe if, you're, if they were your children, you forced them to, right? You, you grabbed them by the back of the head, you took the Kleenex in the other hand, and you, you like a fish out of water, it was flailing everywhere, you forcefully wiped their nose, right? But as they grow and as they begin to understand maturity and as they began to learn things about, you know, it's kind of grotesque, your nose is running, here's a tissue, they would wipe their nose themselves, right? And sometimes you, you'd have to intervene. When, when someone you love has a runny nose, you want to help them. When someone you love is sick, you want to care for them. Well, Christians are no different. Christians get sick too. Not just 
physically sick, but spiritually. We spiritually sometimes have a runny nose. And by that, what I mean is we get stuck in sin. That there are times when each of us needs someone to wipe our nose, hand us a tissue, care for us, provide for us, help us, because we're, we're stuck in the messiness, the struggle of our own sin. Galatians 6 is really a formula for how we deal with one another. There's three things, very, very easy tonight, simple formula, but I want you to think of it as it relates to 2023. Three things. Number one, first, how do we help hold each other accountable? How do we care for one another? How do we provide for someone else when they're spiritually sick? Number one, first, it's prayerful self-examination. Prayerful self-examination. Accountability, when it is done right, is difficult. It's hard. It takes time. It's not easy. It takes effort and energy and prayer. I, I found in my own life that if I'm going to have a, a, a challenging conversation with someone, that before I have that conversation, I need to make sure I've taken time to, to pray, to, to yield myself to the Spirit of God, to, to read the Scripture, to sense the, the Lord's presence in my life, to to ask him to give me wisdom and peace and guidance. I, I need to, 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 to make sure that I'm sensitive to his own leading in my life. It, it, it's always a bad idea to, to decide that you're going to try and correct someone out of anger or, or frustration or out of a, out of a, a wrong heart. It takes time for us to get our own hearts right. And if we're going to help keep other people accountable, if we're going to help guide other people, if we're going to spiritually wipe someone else's nose, we need to make sure that we ourselves are right with the Lord. Keep your finger right here in Galatians chapter 6, but walk backwards to Matthew chapter number 7. Backwards in your Bible to Matthew chapter 7, the, the, the first of the Gospels. Matthew chapter 7. Look with me in verse number 1. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. When you get there, say, I'm there. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thy own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast the mote out of thy brother's eye. Notice what he says. He does not say that you and I should go around our lives leaving beams or motes in each other's eyes. No, of course, if your brother... Is, is living in sin. Of course, if your sister is struggling in sin, of course, if someone is spiritually sick, our 
Christian duty, our Christian obligation is to help that other person. But notice what he says. He says, first do this. Verse 5. First cast out. Verse 1 of chapter 7 is, is America's favorite verse. Judge not that you be not judged. Who are you to tell anything to me? He doesn't say only perfect people can help other people. You know why he doesn't say that? Because there are no perfect people. No, but if we are going to help other people, we must first have a time of prayerful self-examination. I read in the 1970s, there was a nationwide campaign. Some of you may remember it, that they asked you to check your brakes. They encouraged people to check the brakes on their cars before they started driving them. And so the, 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 the nationwide campaign read this way, check it before you wreck it. Check it before you wreck it. Before that ever became a nationwide slogan, guess what? Jesus said the same thing about your own heart. About your own heart. That excellent and fair judgment, good, biblical, spiritual discernment is what is needed if we're going to hold each other accountable. And that, that kind of, I want a prayerful self-examination is so different than what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 7 where there's this self-righteous, arrogant spirit. This judgmentalism that is protruding out of our lives. Now we want to make sure that before you and I go and call other people to the carpet for their sin, that we have asked the Lord to search our own hearts. Psalm 139, verse 23, verse 24. Search me, O God. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And try the reins. See if my thoughts are evil. See if my, my actions are wrong. See if the, the way that I'm steering my life is away from you in pursuit of my own selfish rebellion. Lord, try me first. If we're going to hold each other accountable, we must have prayerful self-examination. Two reasons why. Number one, number one, because I might be too easily offended. You see, if, I, if I'm not sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading in my life, then I might become too easily offended by other things. Go in the Bible, go in your Bible, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, look at verse 4, look at verse 5. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, verse 5. Now, tell me something, you can just yell it out. Tell me something that you know about 1 Corinthians 13. What do you know about it? Love, right? A lot of times, uh, weddings, these, these kind of chapters get read. But, but notice what this says here. So it's, it's, it's talking about not just love we have for each other, but Ultimately, the love that God has for us and the love that we're supposed to have back for him. But 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Charity suffereth long. Charity is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. See that phrase? It is not easily provoked. Charity, love, Christian love 
is not easily offended. That's what the phrase means. Are you a person who is easily offended? I want to be the kind of person in 2023 that's hard to offend. I want to be the kind of person that's hard to offend. And yet for, for many of us and for many Christians, we walk around where it's very easy to offend. Oh, well, you didn't shake my hand or you didn't uh, acknowledge this or you didn't say that or you said this and, and it, it, it bothered me, right? We're, we're easily offended. It, there, there are certainly times when we're in relationship with other people that there are things that must be addressed. But sometimes we allow the things that other people do to offend us and we think that we have to set ourselves on some, on some kind of escapade in order to right all of the wrongs of how we were offended. And these things do not necessarily need to be set right. They are not sin. It may, may be different than how you would have done it, different than how I would have done it. But I need to make sure that before I decide Man, I'm going to call that person on the carpet about this or that. I need to make sure that my own heart is right because it might just be that instead of being sensitive to the Spirit of God, sensitive to the Word of God, it might just be that I'm easily offended. So I'm not operating inside of Christian love. I'm not operating with the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God. I'm not operating according uh, to the liberty and freedom inside uh, that's given to us inside of the scriptures. I need to make sure that I am I'm not easily offended. Why have a time of prayerful self-examination? Because it might be that I am too easily offended. And second, it, it might be that I'm at fault. It might be that the wrong, this, this fractured in the relationship, this, this sin that me or my brother or sister are struggling through, it might be that I am the one who needs the correction. It, it, it just might be that I'm the one who's actually caught in the sin especially if their sin is, is somehow connected to me or, or, or maybe my relationship with them. So go from Galatians, go forward in your Bible toward the end. Find, find your place in James chapter number four. James chapter number four. James chapter four and verse number one, verse number two, verse number three. James four. Little, little chapter, the, the, the book of James, just five, five chapters, little book tucked away right behind Hebrews. You might find Hebrews first. So if you find Hebrews, you're on the right path. James chapter 4, look at verse 1. James chapter 4, verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your own lust, that war in your members? Ye lust and ye have not. Ye kill and desire to have. Ye cannot obtain. Ye fight and war. And yet ye have not because ye, ye ask not. Ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your own lust. Where, where do the wars and the fighting, where does it come from? Does it not come even from your members? That's what James says. Sometimes when, when my kids are, are acting out, they, they won't listen. They, they won't put their toys away. 
They won't sit down and eat their meal. Sometimes it's, it's easy to get upset. It's easy to get mad why, you know, my kids won't obey me when I say sit down and clean your room or pick up your toys. Well, don't they know better? And then I have to remind myself sometimes your kids don't know better. Sometimes, especially with the two little girls, I have to remind myself, why are they acting that way? Oh, it's because they're two years old. Why does this two-year-old keep acting like a two-year-old? Maybe because they're two years old. And sometimes it's even worse than that. Sometimes I, I have to realize what other factors may be contributing to the way that she's acting. Maybe she stayed up too late. Maybe she got too much chocolate, too much candy. Maybe she took too many suckers from Pastor's Candy Line on Sunday evening. Maybe some of you gave her too much candy on the way out. By the way, I know who you are and you will not do that again. See, sometimes I have to, before I just decide, man, I'm going to go take care of this issue. This is, I have to have prayerful self-examination because it might just be that I'm easily offended. I'm not, be, I'm not full of Christian love. I'm walking around looking for an offense. It's not sin. It's just somebody's doing something different than I would do, which is allowed inside of the Christian liberty that we would have. But it might also be that I've contributed to this in some kind of a way. The same way in which my actions with my two-year-old contribute to the way, many times, of how she's acting throughout the, throughout the day. I kept her up too late, woke her up too early, gave her too much candy, and now I don't know why. She's acting so crazy and so cranky and so grumpy. Well, there's a good reason. I contributed to the behavior. And so it is in our spiritual lives that we need prayerful self-examination. Why? Because I, I need the Lord to show me the way in which my actions or my attitude or my words may have contributed in part to what is going on. We live in a world that loves to make sure everyone knows it was them, it was their fault, they're to blame. He's to blame, she's to blame. What does James say? No, no, where... Do wars and fighting and contention, where does it all come from? It comes from your own heart. Solomon says it like this, only by pride cometh contention. So if there is a contentiousness, if there is a contentious spirit, if there's this fighting and bickering, if there's this arguing, struggling. Solomon says, you want to know where it came from? It came from pride. Well, where does pride live? It lives inside of each of us. It lives inside of our own heart. Why do we need prayerful self-examination? We need prayerful self-examination for two reasons. One, it might just be that I'm being easily offended. Second, it might just be that I've contributed in some way to the situation that we find ourselves in. You know, when you, when you fly, they, 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 they get on the, the PA system before you have any, you know, before you take off and they make all these announcements. No one pays attention to all the announcement that the, the flight attendants are giving, but they make all these announcements. One of the things, and I always thought it was so weird, but one of the things that they make, one of the announcements they make is they say, and parents... If you have little ones who are traveling with you, before you put on their masks, put on your mask first, right? How many ever heard him say that on the, on the plane? Put on your mask first. 
You know, the reason they do that is because they, 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 they want you to be able to get a mask onto your child, but they, don't not, they do not want you to, to pass out before you are able to do so. And if all the oxygen is being taken out of the plane and you're trying to put theirs on, then it's quite possible that you lose consciousness before you're able to get the mask on your child. You don't have the mask on yourself. Now, neither of you have oxygen. So say, parents, put yours on first before you put your child's on. And so it is in our spiritual lives. We must make sure that we can breathe first. We must deal and allow the Holy Spirit to deal with our own sin in our own lives before we are able to help anyone else deal with theirs. In other words, we have to, we have to put on our own mask first. This is what he says. Brethren, look at verse one, verse two, verse three of Galatians six again. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. Notice the phrase, considering thyself. What's he asking for? He's asking for prayerful self-examination. How do we hold each other accountable? Prayerful self-examination. There's a second thought here. And that is this, how do we hold each other accountable in private one-on-one relationships? In private one-on-one relationships. Look at verse two. Verse two. Bear ye one another's burdens. So accountability, write this down. Accountability starts within relationship. Write this down. Accountability starts within relationships. He says, brethren, hey, brothers, sisters, family of God. That's the, that's the idea. Those of you who are in the family of God, brothers and sisters, then notice, bear ye one another's burdens. So it's not simply talking about biological siblings. It's not, that's not the idea that, that Paul has here as he writes to the church at Galatia. He, he, has, he has the idea of, of spiritual brothers and sisters, Christians. The word brothers or brethren suggests the idea that there's some kind of relational tie. There's a commitment. His siblings care for one another in their own ways. Nobody fights like siblings. Is that true? Of course it's true. But nobody loves like siblings. What your brother can say to you or what your sister can say to you, no one else can say to you. Or your brother or your sister will be mad, right? It happens inside of relationship. These kind of relationships take time to develop. And listen, these kind of relationships are are not developed for the point of Correction. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go pretend to have a relationship with this person so that I can correct this person in all the ways in which I see they need correcting. It's not one for correction. It's one for connection. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. Bear one another's burdens. He doesn't say, deal with one another's burdens. 
fix one another's burdens. Correct one another's burdens. No. Bear. Carry it. Learn it. If you're going to bear a burden that I would have, or if I'm going to bear a burden that you would have, it requires that you learn the burden that I have, and it requires that I would learn the burden you have. So holding each other accountable requires a real relationship with that person. If you are the kind of person who simply walks around telling everyone and anyone how wrong they are with what they are doing, you probably don't have very many friends. You know why? Because you have no relationships. It's not to say there isn't a place for truth tellers. Of course there's a place for truth tellers. It's not to say there isn't a place for prophets in our world. Of course there's a place for prophets. What it is to say is it is to say that there's something more meaningful than truth tellers or prophets in our culture, in our world. And that is brothers and sisters. Accountability starts within relationship. And Jesus says it like this. We don't know the greatest commandment. The greatest commandment is twofold. There's, there's two hooks on which hang everything else in the Bible Here they are. First, love God. Second, love others. Love your neighbor, listen to what he says, as yourself. So when you are carrying a burden, when you're struggling, when you're spiritually sick, when your nose needs wiped, how do you want someone to treat you? Well, that's probably the way that you should treat them. That's probably the way you should go about helping them. How do do we hold each other accountable? A private one-on-one relationship, which means I have to take the time to learn them and they have to take the time to to learn me. One-on-one relationship. I must learn them, but second... I must learn to be gentle. Notice what he says. In the spirit of meekness. In the spirit of meekness. So a genuine relationship helps us to be gentle when we correct one another. It it requires us to be gentle. So if you're going to talk with someone about their sin, you need to first make sure you have a relationship with them at all. You can can be totally right about someone else's actions. But if you have no relationship with that person, if that person has no idea that you love them, that you care for them, then chances are no amount of correction is going to work. Remember what we said in the Malachi series? How does God treat us? How does God come to us? Before there's correction, there's connection. 
Remember what he says in Malachi? I love you. I care for you. You're mine. I'm yours. You belong to me. I set you free. You're my people. I'm your God. So before there is this, there's a lot to correct. There's a lot that God has to go on the record and help his children because they're struggling with lots of things. But before he does that, even the Lord's pattern for us is he connects we must learn to be gentle. If, you, if, you're, if your nose is running, you have a cold, and your, your spouse or, or maybe someone who's attentive, they're close to you, they, they notice you have, a, you have a runny nose. They go, hey, you have a runny nose. Let me, let me get you something to, to wipe your nose. As they, they take off running. They run out of the living room. They go down the steps into the basement. They emerge from downstairs a few moments later, and they hold out their hand. They offer you a nice, soft piece of sandpaper. Grit 36. Here you go. Blow your nose. How many of you are going to be willing to blow your nose on that? No one. In fact, you would think the person who told you to blow your nose on a piece of sandpaper didn't care for you at all. <laughs> they weren't concerned about your runny nose at all. They were actually concerned about inflicting more hurt on you because they're offering you a piece of sandpaper. And so it is that when we deal with one another in areas of sin, when we talk or treat one another in areas where accountability is needed, when we bear one another's burdens. We need to make sure that we are not offering sandpaper. A spirit of meekness. A spirit of meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Write this down. Correction apart from relationship falls short of biblical correction. Correction apart from relationship falls short of biblical correction. And correction apart from gentleness falls short of biblical correction. I must learn to be gentle and I must learn to connect with this person who I have this relationship with. How do we hold each other accountable? How do we hold each other accountable in the new year? This is a great time of the year to think about, man, how last year went, the changes you want to make for the upcoming year. It's a great time of the year to think about goals, not just goals that you might have as it relates to your health or your your physicality or your fitness or your, your career or life pursuits, but mainly spiritual. This is a great time of the year to think through spiritual goals, to, to sit and think about the spiritual growth that you want to see happen in the upcoming year. And certainly as you think through the past year, as you think back on 2022, it would have helped in different seasons for you to have had a good accountability partner who was loving and gentle 
and kind and prayerful and searching their own heart first and not, not using the word of God as it were a club hypocritically judging you while they were unwilling to deal with the glaring deficiencies in their own heart and life. Certainly you would have loved to have someone offer you a Kleenex instead of simply offering you sandpaper. So how do we find that? Private one-on-one relationships. Prayerful self-examination. Third and last. A process must be identified. A process must be identified. In other words, we must be willing to identify areas of weakness in our own lives. And we must be willing to set clear lines that will not be, are not to be crossed. The point point of the, the sermon this evening is not that we should never confront or that we should never connect. No, no, the point is we should confront and we should correct. But we should also be willing to connect first. We must be willing to take time to prayerfully examine our own hearts to ask the Spirit of God to give us discernment and wisdom and judgment and insight for which we could not have had apart from Him. And then we must be willing to draw clear lines in the sand and ask spiritually-minded people to keep us accountable. Who speaks freely in your life? Who have you given the green light to? Who have you said, call me on the carpet if you see this kind of attitude in me? Who have you gone on record with and said, here's where I'm struggling and I'm not going to lie about it and here's the boundary that I'm drawing and I, I want you to hold me to it. You see, there's no, there's no accountability apart from that. There's no accountability apart from transparency and vulnerability. You cannot have accountability without transparency and you cannot have accountability without vulnerability. So, so if you're not willing to be forthright and honest, then it's just a spiritual game. It's spiritual puppets. That's all it is. I got an accountability partner. Yeah, but have you told them what you're really struggling with? Have you offered full permissions? Have you held nothing back? Have you allowed them to go through your search history? Have you told them what you struggle with real late at night? Has there been full transparency? Well, I got a spiritual accountability partner. Yeah, but if you're not transparent, then it's just, it's facade. It's charades. That's all we're playing. If it's not transparency and there's not vulnerability. So here's the line. And if it's crossed, you have permission to speak free in my life. Who is that person for you?
And most people answer that question by saying, well, I have a lot of people like that. Okay? Name them. Name the person who when they call you on the carpet about your sin, you don't get ticked off and mad. And you don't go, oh, well, who are you anyway? Or you don't shell up and go, oh, I'm not talking about this. Or your pride doesn't get a little hurt and a little wounded. Or you don't get a little embarrassed. You see, as Christians, we do ourselves a great disservice because God has given to us one another. This is gift. He's left, his, he's left of many gifts. Left of, left of the, gift, the gift of salvation, the gift of the scriptures, the gift of his spirit. But he's also left, of, left us the gift of a local New Testament church in which we care and commit and connect and serve and love and pray, but also Correct. A process must be identified. A process must be identified. Who is your accountability partner in 2023? Who will it be? How do we know if something needs to be addressed? You get four categories. I give them to you quickly. Just four categories in the scriptures where there are plenty of biblical examples. I won't offer them all to you, but there's four categories in the scriptures, plenty of biblical examples of where someone was correcting someone else as it relates to a particular sin. So first, four, first, their sin. What's the process? What's the accountability look like? First, their sin dishonors the name of Jesus. First, their sin dishonors the name of Jesus. So I want to be very careful here. I'm going to be very clear. Because what I'm not talking about is I'm not talking about a fellow Christian complaining about another Christian's behavior. That can easily turn into that Matthew 7 self-righteousness. And the one who's simply complaining about another believer's behavior actually is the one who needs to be challenged. They're the one who who needs to be talked to directly because they're actually the one being hypocritical. They're actually the one judging. So I'm I'm not talking about you just have a complaining spirit and you don't like the behavior of somebody else. I'm talking about sin. So do, do the actions of this brother or sister in Christ who publicly professes to be a Christian, are they actually representing Christ? Or are they misrepresenting Jesus? Do we identify as a Christian to our friends and our family, but our, our actions do not match our profession? We call ourselves a Christian on Sunday, but our search history would reveal something altogether different. Is the sin dishonoring the name of Jesus? This has all kinds of scriptural representation, probably none more than 
Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. A lot of times people hear that and they think that that only means using the Lord's name in some kind of, uh, of perverse or twisted way in conversation. And of course, you ought not use the Lord's name casually in conversation. We, we would all readily recognize that. But that's not the full meaning of the phrase. It's not simply don't use the, the Lord's name blasphemously or carelessly throughout the course of conversation. That's not all it means. That's a layer of it, yes. But, but the commandment to not take the Lord's name in vain is much deeper than just simply what you say with your mouth. It's, it's how you're living with your life. You claim to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus, and yet your life and your attitude and your words and your actions, you're not doers of the word. You're not pursuit of righteousness and godliness. It's not full of love and meekness and grace and forgiveness and patience and kindness. It's altogether no different from our counterparts in the world. We laugh at the same jokes. We look at the same sights. We follow the same things. We pursue the same goals. We have the, the same expectations. It's no different. No, no, no. Do not take his name in vain. His name means something. And when you put your faith in Jesus, he put his name on you. You became his. He became yours. And that means something. So the process to be identified, how do we know when we should call someone to the carpet? Their sin dishonors the name of Jesus. Second, their sin damages your relationship with them. Second, their sin damages. Their sin damages your relationship with them. I've had people come to me before and said, you know, you, you did this thing. It really hurt me. I'm having a hard time letting it go. I, I need some explanation for this. I'll be honest, I don't, I don't always enjoy those kind of conversations, but I certainly appreciate those kind of conversations. Because I don't want to be the cause of a, of a root of bitterness springing up in someone's heart as a result of something that I've done or said. I don't want a root of bitterness coming up between me and them, ruining a relationship. I want to be able to reconcile that. I want to be able to fix that. Sin damages relationship. And whenever sin enters to the, into the relationship, it has to be dealt with. It has to be handled. It has to be addressed. Has, Matthew 18 must be followed. You, you've, you've ought, you have ought against your brother. Well, then go to him and tell him what the fault was. And see if you can, with godly wisdom, discernment, judgment, spirit-filled, scriptural pattern, work it out between you and him. But how can you work it out if you have not told him the fault? And so, how do we know if someone should be held accountable to something? Their sin dishonors the name of Jesus. The sin damages your relationship with them. If you feel like, hey, there's something wrong here. 
I don't know, I don't know what it is. Can't place my finger on it. I feel like there's something wrong. Are we, are we good? Is everything, everything okay? The sin damages. Listen, friend, sin always damages. Third, and th- their sin, how do I know if I should call them on the carpet? Third, their sin is hurting others. So if you see that their sin is hurting others, or if you see their sin has hurt others, no one is saying anything. What should you do about that? Well, you should go to them. You should talk to them about it. You should go in a spirit of meekness. You should go with prayerful self-examination. You should make sure you aren't simply being easily offended. You should make sure that there's actually real hurt that's been done, that needs to be handled, that things and questions need to be answered. But we must go to them. Why? Because others are hurting. Their sin dishonors the name of Jesus. Their sin damages relationship with, with them, your relationship with them. Their sin is hurting others. Last one, their sin is hurting them. This is perhaps the one we think about the least. We live in a culture where people believe if it doesn't hurt anyone but me, then why does it matter? It's my body. I can do what I want to with it. Well, not according to biblical New Testament Christianity. That's not the philosophy we can operate in. We're not our own. We belong to the Lord. We are made in the image of God. So our personhood, our bodies... They don't, they don't belong to us. They belong to God. You cannot simply do whatever you want with your body. So if you're using your body in some kind of a way, if a person is using their body to sin against the Lord in some kind of a way, and it's hurting them, it's hurting their relationship with God, then you and I should ask for godly, holy, courageous boldness to go to sit down with them, to talk to them. For what purpose? What does is, what is he say in Galatians 6? For what purpose? Notice what he says. So that ye first fulfill the law of God, fulfill the law of Christ, verse 2. So that you fulfill the law of Christ. So you fulfill the law of Christ. Because if we do these things, what are we doing? Regardless of whatever that other person decides. Regardless of how the other person responds, regardless of how that other person acts, what are we doing? We are fulfilling the law of Christ. But notice, what's the hope? The hope is not simply that we would fulfill the law of Christ. The hope is that this person could be restored, verse 1. That ye which are spiritual, restore such and one with a spirit of meekness. This is the goal. This is the aim Obedience to the law of Christ. Why do these things? Obedience to the law of Christ. Restoration of the one who has fallen. Obedience to the law of Christ. Restoration for the one who has fallen. Who is that person for you? Question one. Question two. Will you be that kind of person for someone else? Two questions. Who is that person for you? We all need someone who has the green light to speak free and open in our lives. Accountability must have transparency and vulnerability. 
or there's no accountability at all. So who is that person for you? And will you be that kind of person for someone else? Will you be the kind of person who boldly, courageously, biblically, confidently, spirit-filled, prayerfully helps restore such a one? Help someone who's spiritually sick with a spirit of meekness.